In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. Betches Media presents... I really want to lose three pounds. Yeah, no, don't put me down for cardio. Diet starts tomorrow. Exercise gives you endorphins. Endorphins make you happy. I want to quit the gym. Happy people just don't shoot their husbands. With hosts Aileen Cooperman... Joey does a shampoo! ...and Sammy Fishbein. Whatever, I'm getting cheese fries. Hello, welcome back to Diet Starts Tomorrow. I'm Sammy. I'm Aileen. And we are joined today by Anne Malum, the founder and CEO of SolidCore. You guys know I've been talking a lot about SolidCore. I've been hyping it up. Literally doesn't stop talking about SolidCore. Well, I love that. (laughs) And, And none of it has to do with the fact that we are doing this interview. It's just kind of coincided. Great, my, my solid core love. Well, first, and this Ashley. Interview. First, Ashley was like the initial solid core influencer who influenced slowly everyone in the office. Sammy is now number two. Yes. <laughs> well, hopefully by the end, everybody will just yeah. be doing it. You guys will just, just planking in the office all day. Oh my gosh, that would be fun. The center core is the worst part. Yeah, I see. I, obliques people usually are like because they never work that the waistline, yeah. and so that usually is immediate, and then they have to sit in it for you know seven eight minutes. I think that's what made the difference. Wait for everybody and, yeah, who doesn't know solid core. Can who wants to explain it, Sammy or Anne? no? And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the easiest way to explain it for folks because we feel like we have to put ourselves in a category. It's it's a very intensified version of of Pilates. Um, when people think of Pilates or traditional Pilates, I think they usually think of you know folks that are lying down, restorative. You know, you're doing it to rehabilitate from an injury or something of that sort, or you do Pilates because you can't do something else. And that was frankly, you know, my association with the word too. And then I took a Pilates class in LA and I'm like I didn't know you could work out like this I didn't know you could get such intensity so safely moving so slowly right that's that's awesome what I like about the class though that I feel like differentiates from other Pilates classes that it's in the dark or like the it's dimly lit Mm -hmm. because I always felt like if I've been to other classes and like everyone is staring at me while I cannot hold this plank Mm -hmm. (laughs) and so like I like it. it makes you feel like you're on your own little yeah. bubble and then you could just like look over I looked over at Sammy when she was doing I was like okay teach me it's like I had you to high five yeah that was <laughs> with our eyes yeah. Yeah. no I honestly I think that classes in the dark make a huge difference I noticed that I actually don't really even like classes if they're not in the dark <laughs> because I think it might be because just the mood is better mood yeah yeah there's an element I think when you walk in and you know you're in a different environment that it's not just well the lighting and everything is the same when when class is going or when it's off you sort of get into this zone when lights go off music comes up yeah and you're like okay we're gonna do this for 15 minutes I was telling you about our new studio Nolita which is underground so you really oh. feel like you're like okay we're, we're doing this Ooh. and I'm here and I'm present your phone doesn't work down there so yeah you're in it you can't really escape Pilates <laughs> cave there you yeah go. it is a Pilates cave so, okay, even though you are the SolidCore founder, you have a lot more to your story. Um, so we wanted to kind of hear your whole story, I guess. Okay. So we'll let you take yes. the narrative. Start from the yeah. beginning. The beginning. The uh, early, what, yeah, where were you born? <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, it's, I mean, I was just mentioning to one of your teammates here, Sean, that like I still spend time in North Dakota, which is where I was born. I'm actually oh, wow. there like a good chunk out of, out of the month. All my family is still there. Uh-huh. So I split my time between North Dakota 
DC, New York, and then there's usually another uh, trip around the studios or personally. Uh, so I, I do really live out of a suitcase. Is North Dakota, like what is North Dakota versus New York City? <laughs> Give us exact the comparison. Yeah, well, the internet is coming to North Dakota soon. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, it, it's, I mean, listen, it's it's kind of like a big suburb. Bismarck is where I, I grew up and okay. that's where I go spend out. It's a big suburb. There's like 67,000 thousand people there, but there's solid core there. I opened a, a studio there awesome. in 2017. My, my friends, high school, were just clamoring to like, oh, would you just open one of these? We have nothing. And I was like, I don't really know if this is going to be so successful, but I just felt like it would work. We would at least not lose money. And so there was just like this this pride about, you know, bringing something back there to my home state. And so, yeah, now there's six in the entire entire state. There's two wow. in Bismarck, Fargo, Grand Forks, Minot. Are you, do you dominate the North Dakota boutique workout market? <laughs> yes. Is that <laughs> simply because there's no competition? But yeah, Orange Theory, you know, Orange Theory uh, is popping up in Fargo. There's, it's, it's becoming more. I think sort of we're, I think we were part of that movement. You know, mm-hmm. we obviously New York and LA boutique fitness was around, has been around for a long time. But these middle kind of, we call them tertiary tier two, tier three, tier four markets get overlooked and they don't get anything. Yeah. But there are fit people there. They're looking for things to do. You know, they want to, they're active, they're fit. And um, so, yeah, like we, when we opened up in Bismarck, we're like, actually, there's something here. We think we can open up in a lot smaller markets and be super successful because we focus so much on community and the results are there. That's awesome. All right. So North Dakota. So tell us about like growing up, high school, all that. I know mm-hmm. you're, there's a bunch there. Yeah, I think any time, you know, all of us grew up in certain areas. We can think back to what we were like being a kid there. And I'm like, oh, this is how everybody lives. Like, this is what it's like being a kid, no matter where you are in the world. Mm-hmm. You just have such a small view of what reality is. So house, big backyard, brother, sister, middle class, you yeah. know, middle class family. Um, and I've, I've done a good amount of public speaking. So I feel like yeah. some my stories online so apologies for redundancy if people have heard it no don't worry um yeah but tell so, us everything okay so yeah so i i mean i i truly thought i had my entire life figured out by the time i was 12 years old because Same. my yeah <laughs> but like my life went really great until 12 it's like cool i'm good at sports like i got boys chasing me around at the recess at playground school seems pretty easy i'm like this life thing is like totally fine I got it and then um, when I was 16 years old I got a kind of hard dose of reality of what my dad's life was like and how unstable my parents what my parents marriage was so when I was 16 or seven before my sophomore year in high school uh, is when I found out my dad was a gambling addict and he told us because he was which most addictions do they get to the point where they are like you've got a your rock bottom you need to do something there's no other way out than to tell people what's going on so my dad owed a lot of people a lot of money and he had to come clean with my mom um, and my mom kicked me out of the house that day and for a kid who again thinks she's got like a stable family I'm like what is going on what do you mean dad's not living here But unfortunately, my dad went through drug and alcohol addiction when I was really young. So I've never seen my dad drink or do drugs, but my mom has. And she's like, I can't go through this again. And we we didn't we weren't poor, but we didn't have a lot of money. My my dad sold insurance. My mom's a teacher, so money was my mom's Achilles heel. Like you threaten that, and and my dad did. Like our savings was drained, our education, all of these accounts that she worked so hard for. So she just couldn't recover from it. I get it now, but at the time, I'm like, you're my big bad mother who's taking my father away. So the next three years were really tumultuous with my mom. I blamed her for my imperfect life, and I also spent that time trying to fix my father. Um, both both unsuccessful efforts. Nothing good came out of those approaches, frankly. And that's when I became a runner. 
I turned to running to deal with all of the emotional turmoil I was going through and found strength in the movements, found, found strength in moving my body forward, all the metaphors around taking things one step at a time. Like it just, the whole thing really resonated with me. And I convinced myself that if I could just go on to have this perfect life that I created for myself as a kid for what life was going to look like when I got to be an adult, that things would be great and okay. And so I went a million miles a minute went to college, graduated in three years with two degrees, went to grad school, graduated early, not for not for any other reason that I was just in a hurry to be happy. And I thought only way I'm going to be happy is if I get a husband, a job, a big white house, white picket fence, 2.2 kids. Thinking about that consciously? Totally. Okay. It was just kind of like, that, was the goal. This is, that, that is what I'm driving toward. And, uh-huh. and when you kind of make yourself and convince yourself that this is how I'm going to be happy and you don't have a plan B, you get fixated on plan A yeah. and you want to just keep telling yourself that this is going to work. Um, but at some point, you know, my bluff got called in my mid-20s and I just started to feel like, gosh, I don't think I want these things. I don't have any purpose in my life. I didn't have a lot of friends because I was, I mean, driving myself to the ground and moving a million miles a minute trying like what, to get like, somewhere. Like what were you doing at that time? I was, so I was in Philly. I moved to Philly working for a nonprofit. Actually, it was a political watchdog organization. I, I still want to get involved in politics later in my life but then I was really convinced like I wanted to be somewhat involved in the political realm city locally state uh, federally I wasn't sure and so working for this nonprofit, and literally every night I was sort of spending by myself um, additionally at this time all my food issues were at their climax I was probably throwing up my food four or five times a night or sorry, four or five times a week um, and I was working out nonstop and not eating. So, but ha- how did you? Is that like from the desire to have control on everything? Like, you know, when did that start? I think people. I know that's a lot for people of like this control, but that wasn't it for me. It was okay. this desire to be perfect, and I couldn't seem to get my relationship with food together. I would feel such guilt of eating anything that I thought was going to negatively or adversely impact the shape of my body. Mm-hmm. And so it was a very secret behavior for me. You know, I would only binge in private and then I would be throwing up my food, looking in the mirror, being like, why? Like, this, what you're doing is ridiculous. It's yeah. so embarrassing. Like, you need to stop this, right? And I think whether it's people with alcohol or food or drugs or something that they're doing that they know is not serving them mm-hmm. and they're just like suffocating by it and they, they, they like tell themselves, stop doing it and the next day comes and then you just, you can't get ahead of it. And I was just in that spot. I couldn't get out of it for a couple years. So living a lifestyle like that, it's really hard to have friendships, relationships. I was isolating myself, um, but also in this weird way, I'm like, I need to find purpose in my life. I need to find what I was put on this earth to do. I want meaning. I want sort of some kind of emotional something to make me feel like I've got a mission here. And I kept looking underneath proverbial rocks. Like at some point I'm like, just someone tell me what the hell to do with my life and I'll do it. Like I'm, I'm like, I'll do the hard work. I just didn't know what it was. And that was super frustrating. How old were you at this time? 26. So are, were you, are you driven when you, I mean, I really relate to that. Like that desire to just like feel emotionally fulfilled. Like finally, mm-hmm. just to feel like I know what I'm doing is right. And I know that this is where I'm meant to be. Mm-hmm. Like I definitely crave that feeling a lot too. Um, but do you, think that you were were you aware that the self-harm was kind of like probably impeding you from from getting to where you wanted to go or did you did you think that it was kind of like it became my identity justify it is what I mean yeah I totally justified and became my identity of I am the girl to myself that will never be satisfied with her body 
And if I ever am, what am I going to do with all of my time and energy? Because all I do is constantly think about food, what I'm going to eat, what I'm not going to eat. When can I work out? Can I work out twice a day today? And my entire schedule was built around that. So the idea of accepting who I was, I was like, I'm going to be so bored. <laughs> what was your relationship with your parents like at that time? Um, standoffish, you know, uh, I, I was living in Philly at the time. So there was some distance between us. Um, I would lie about coming home for Thanksgiving that I had to work because I didn't want to deal with all the food and the family. Uh, and I had been throwing up my food in high school. You know, my best friend told my mom. So she was aware, you know, that I had some of these food issues. She, she, when she would ask me about them later on in life, of course, what I would, I would lie and tell her I don't do that anymore and everything is fine. Um, so it was it was at a distance, you know. My my mom and I have had a tough relationship. We've worked on it a lot, but it was sort of uh, hard for us to recover from, frankly, my behavior as as a teenager. Um, and we just have really conflicting personalities. We respect each other and love each other, um, but different, way different approaches to to frankly to life. When you were so when you were sixteen and all this like came kind of crashing down, were you like completely blindsided, or did you have an idea that things were like Rocky maybe, or you did it just kind totally of like, blindsided. Totally yeah. blindsided. I felt like my parents could have won an Academy Award because they never really fought in front of us. Wow. Like everything was just kind of kosher and there didn't, I would never talk to my friends about like my parents are having issues. Like I'm not sure what's going on. This doesn't seem like their, their marriage doesn't seem normal compared to my other friends. I never had any. Did it, did it well. register with you like at, at that time or like shortly after or even in your 20s, like by the time you were like 26 like you said did it register with you that that was like a major trauma Not or did you just think like I'm gonna just like fuck yeah. it I'm just gonna make myself look good and that'll make it go away yeah it didn't it didn't at the time and I've always kind of had this mentality it's like the Goggins book of like you can't hurt me like I've always felt like I've got a lot of armor on and I'm just like you're not gonna I'm not gonna be impacted by like a divorce I'm like get over it you know it's kind of like these things that you just push aside and think that you're strong enough I'm not, I'm not gonna succumb yeah. to something that wasn't my you know doing or decision or whatnot and that actually has served me really well in some instances but as it relates to emotions and we can talk about my engagement that you know <laughs> fell apart as well I I had I, I, I wasn't I wasn't vulnerable in the right places. I kept this armor on in every aspect of my life. And you can't have vulnerability and closeness when you're doing that. Right, so tell us about this engagement. <laughs> we're really bouncing. It's like, oh, are, we, are, are we up to the engagement? It's, yeah. Are we 26? Uh, we're engaged? definitely not. No, we're definitely not. Okay. Uh, okay. Um, I, and I, I never really wanted to get married and I found myself engaged. So we'll talk about that in a second. But no, 26, again, trying to find my purpose, trying to find some kind of meaning. Yeah. Um, and turns out it was right under my feet, pun intended, the entire time. So I was running like a mad woman at that point. I ran every morning at 5.30 in Philly, no matter the day, season, like didn't matter whether. One of those. Yeah, I was, I was. I'm, I'm, I'm in I the middle now. But so I, I, and I lived really close to a homeless shelter that I had ran by uh, literally hundreds of times and I had to walk by it to get to work. So thousands of times over the course of two mm -hmm. years walking by this homeless shelter. And for whatever reason, in May of 2007, there was a group of guys that started to wave at me and I was like, waving back. I'm from North Dakota. I will wave at you if you wave yeah. back to me. And we started to build this fun rapport in the morning that reminded me a lot of the sarcastic relationship that I have with my father. And like a, uh, like a light bulb, there was just this moment where I'm like, why, why don't I start a running club for these guys? I know the power of running. Uh, it doesn't matter if you're white, black, rich, poor. I didn't think it mattered if you were homeless or not. Like 
this can help these guys the same way as it helped me. And man, it would feel good to sort of share this gift. And there was this nostalgia around these men reminding me of my dad. There was a real connection um, to me for them because of that. So um, there's there's a long part to that story of how this got going. But in essence, I, I had another job offer at the time to go work for Comcast. I've never worked in the corporate world before. And I was like, I don't think my mission's at Comcast, but I was going to be doing so much traveling. It was a big job, big role. I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm going to take this job just because it's so different and it's going to shake things up in my life. So I t- accepted the job and then this idea happened at the same time. So I, I convinced the director of the shelter to let me start a running club. They were very resistant because they're very resistant because these men were not supposed to be around women. It was a very religious shelter. It was called Sunday Breakfast Rescue Mission. And for whatever reason, he allowed me to start this running club. And I had a ton of media connections from my work in Philly. I told them what was going on. I wanted to get the word out and get more people involved. The media was like a frenzy. I mean, you could like Google back at that time. Mm-hmm. Every single newspaper, like TV station showed up to our first run because mm-hmm. they couldn't believe that a group of homeless men were going for a run. It was so like an oxymoron, yeah. right? People who are homeless are dangerous, lazy, don't want to work hard. Aren't they drinking on drugs? If you're running at six in the morning, you're disciplined, you're ambitious, you're focused. These two things are a major juxtaposition to each other. Mm-hmm. It can't be happening. And then they start interviewing these guys who are frankly lo- loquacious and um, and just magnetic in their personalities and they start to write stories about their stories and who they are and all of a sudden this group starts to grow and get bigger and during those weeks uh there was a two simple things that happened um that made me realize this is what i'm supposed to do with my life and i never made it to that comcast job i was like i'm gonna build this into a nonprofit. everybody i talked to were like you're crazy you're being pollyanna this is never gonna work these guys are gonna quit running when the novelty runs off and you think you're gonna save them and you're gonna raise money and like get them jobs through running and i'm like yes (laughs) um and i just believed in the vision that we could start with running an identity and change identity and then get them to the place of showing their commitment to themselves that we could place them in jobs and hopefully then move them into homes and have a much more self-sufficient life first of all it's incredible (laughs) yeah second from the point where you were running past them, mm-hmm. what like led you to to just believe that you could that they will want to run? Like, how did how did that go from like mm-hmm. you going to ask the director or whatever? What do you th- and also do you think that he just let you do it because he was just like, yeah, good luck? <laughs> yeah, well, he, I, I don't think that was the case because I, I when I emailed him, I'm like, I run by your shelter yeah. every day. I'd love to start a, a running club for yeah. the men, and it was kind of like. These guys aren't going to be interested in running, but we'd love for you to come volunteer. Okay. And I was like, if you could just ask them, if you could just see if anybody's interested in joining a running club, I will take care of everything, the shoes, the clothes. I'll be there three days a week and you don't have to have any more work. I just would love to share this gift that's helped to empower me in my life. Yeah. Um, It took some badgering. Fortunately, I'm really good at badgering. (laughs) And uh, he finally said, okay, I'll ask. And there were nine guys that were like, yeah, I want to do this. Wow. For reasons of they used to run in the service. They were getting older, wanted to get healthy, yeah. wanted to meet new people, try something new, thought it would be fun. Reasons that any one of us would give for wanting to try just something like everyone new. Else. Just like everyone else. That's amazing. So how did that experience of actually building this change you? Like what were what was going on in your life and your head at that time? Oh, it's 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 definitely saved me. Um, not to be dramatic, but all my food issues went away because I finally started caring enough about other people instead of my superficial bullshit that like I didn't have the energy and the time and the space to constantly be thinking about 
how my body looks, how skinny am I, how much do I weigh, what do I need to be eating? Like you can't build a nonprofit from scratch on an idea that people are like, wait, what? Running club for the homeless? Um, so, I mean, it was nonstop waking up every day at five, going till at, you know late at night of just constantly working on this idea um, and building it. So it gave me purpose. It, it let a lot of those issues go away without actually actively working on it just because I cared so much about other things. Um, and it really, it really inspired me from a humanity standpoint of how many volunteers, you know, came on board to want to work with us and, and also believing in second chances. And I think we, uh, shattered a lot of stereotypes about what it means to be homeless. I mean, the organization still goes today. It's a national organization. Wow. And like we have, there's a very high success rate of folks who start in the program. Like it's in the seventies of moving on to get a job and a home. And wow. it all starts with identity. I mean, listen, like think about when you might wake up and you have a bad day or you don't feel good, right? You at least have a home. You've got a job. You've got money. You've got all these things where you're homeless. You know, you have the bare minimum, the stuff that, you know, you have food and shelter and that's now provided to you by the shelter. So that's Maslow's hierarchy of needs taken care of. But the right above that is this desire to be respected, loved, appreciated, cared for, and feel good. And those were things that weren't being focused on uh, in that community as well as they could be. And we come in and we're just kind of about like, you're capable, you are deserving, you're an athlete, you're a team member, you're a runner, you can do this. And you change it's the story or the narrative of what they've been telling themselves, what they've been told for years, and they start to act and behave differently. And once that happens, we can then talk to employment partners like Marriott's our biggest employment partner about like, let me tell you about Jimmy who's been running with us for six months and hasn't missed a day at 5.30 in the morning, hasn't missed a day. Like that's somebody that you want that's reliable, that can show up. Oh, and he's also been voted team member of the month four times. You know, he's one of the financial literacy program. Like we know all of his background. He's really opened up to us. He is committed to making a difference in his life. And now we become a resource and a network for them, which is a massive that's, part yeah, of, of any, like if yeah. you're going to look for a new job, you would be on LinkedIn. You'd be navigating through your community. Well, what community do you have if you're, mm-hmm. if you're homeless, if someone advocating, advocating for you to be like, you should have, you should employ this person. It's so interesting how like, I'm sure obviously people donate money and food and clothes to the homeless all the time, mm-hmm. but that the real thing that made, that made a difference, at least in, in this context, is like giving them some sort of self-worth and, mm-hmm. and responsibility and feeling of like, I have a goal, I have a, I have a, I'm a part of this, someone will notice if I'm not there. Totally. Mm-hmm. And that, that is really what empowered people much more than like, let's say just like writing a check. Yeah, I some, mean, yeah. and those two simple things that I said that like really helped me realize this could be something were that... The day I met these nine guys, I had them sign a piece of paper that was called the dedication contract. Like it was in a shelter, the chapel of the shelter that night. And it said, if you want to be part of the running club, you need to adhere to these principles. And it is, you need to show up every day. You need to be on time. You need to come with a positive attitude. You have to support and respect your teammates. And you could just, it was palpable in the room that you could tell no one had had those expectations of these guys before in a really long time, if ever, in their lives. And it was just like, whoa, who who is this young, blonde stranger telling me I'm capable of excellence? And it it was amazing to just sort of see everybody nod their head. Everybody signed the piece of paper. And then once they committed, you know, the over the course of the next few weeks, everybody did show up and they were on time and they wanted to be there. And we would track the miles every day at the end on the poster board. And we said so we would color in like the mm-hmm. cumulative total. And these guys would just like 
push behind for the best seat in the house to watch me Aww. color in their miles for the day you're because like, you're like Monica from cheer. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, <laughs> but, but they want to be recognized yeah. and they want to have appreciation. They want to feel good and be like, someone's acknowledging the work I did. And that's why people quit their jobs, right? Because their boss is an asshole and they're not being noticed or appreciated for the work that they're doing. And so it's really easy to look for other environments where you feel that way. It's why we leave relationships. It's why our friendships die out. We're not feeling good in those situations. And you're actively still leading this organization. No, 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 I'm not. So okay. it's, I mean, it was, it's a full-time job. There's a, okay. there's a CEO there. There's 50 full-time staff that okay. run the nonprofit. Um, it's in 12 different cities. That's and insane yeah, to like, thousands of people. Le- like to have that. And we're so not cool. even up to the solid core part yet. I know. <laughs> yeah. I get okay. bored quickly. That's, that's why. Warmer weather is finally back. After so many cold months, it's nice to get outside and soak up the sun. But the springtime always brings those unwanted guests, pollen and seasonal allergies. April showers bring spring flowers and sniffly noses and stuffed up sinuses. Luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. I suffer from seasonal allergies. I just had them hit the other day. I couldn't breathe through my nose at all. And I popped a Claritin and it was like night and day. I'm a huge fan of Claritin. I use it on the regular and it always helps when we're making that transition from winter to spring, which is when my allergies flare up. Mainly it's my sinuses that get so clogged and the Claritin just clears it right up. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients and just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy throat and nose, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. Ready to live your life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Okay, so are you 26 still? <laughs> no. Where are we? Unfortunately, where, no. I shouldn't say unfortunately. We? Like, yeah, obviously, you get a lot of like, wisdom with age. No. Um, so at this, I mean, so so I built the nonprofit. Yeah. Surrounded myself with people smarter than I am, which is so important to not, you know, have an ego. And I, there was definitely an ego in the beginning. And also, I'm just a young CEO literally being thrown into this media frenzy. Like, there was national media within three months. I was ABC, per, ABC person of the week. Like, I was a CNN hero. And it was like, this thing just started six months ago. Like, I don't even have a success story yet. Like, is this going to just kind of look like fraud at some point if this doesn't work out in the vision Mm -hmm. that I'm talking about? And so I had a little bit of, you know, the Napoleon um, uh, complex of like wanting to show that I'm smart enough. I can do this. I'm capable. So there was a little alienation, I feel like. And I can think back to as leadership stories I share with my team now of trying to look like I'm the smartest person in the room constantly talking never asking questions but it wasn't because i thought i knew more it was because i didn't want people to think that i wasn't yeah. smart enough that's the armor yeah totally For it's sure. interesting that you you talk about um like the armor that you put on and then i think about like solid core as the workout and like what it kind of creates like on your body mm-hmm. like it almost is like you're building like an armor sure. it's like about kind of like solidifying mm-hmm. your solid sol- core yeah solid core <laughs> yeah literally so i mean it's it's interesting do you do you feel that after founding that 
that that is like something that helps you sort of like break down your own armor back on my feet yeah yeah or either yeah um yeah. well back on my feet i found myself also on stage a lot telling the story of this organization and talking about my father my relationship with him you know why i was attracted to these guys so i found i found myself getting really emotional and like speaking in front of thousands of people about my own trials and tribulations and turning that into something positive and good um and i found strength in that i found strength in the weakness that i felt of feeling um whether kind of like damaged goods in some sense of like my parents divorced my dad's a gambling addict all of these things that were difficult for me to admit and then turn that because if, the, if those things didn't happen there's no way I would have ever found it back on my feet I never would have had any connection you know to the guys right. um that I that I was running by each morning so that definitely helped I think crack me up a little bit but uh I was still holding on in the in the biggest way possible to my armor as it came to relationships with men so how did that Nine. change? Okay. How did the it's, how did the engagement come to be? Yeah, well, I yeah, think what it's, happened. So um so so I had sort of made up my mind when in my twenties of like this whole marriage and kids thing doesn't seem to be for me. I'm not finding myself daydreaming about it. I've never been a woman who's like, I'm having kids regardless of anything else. It's just important to me. Um so when that kind of started, you know, to happen, I was like, you know, I think this is an antiquated system doesn't really make sense, you know, kind of learning and reading more about marriages, watching obviously how marriages work. And I'm like, you can be in several, in committed relationship, a partnership without marriage. And so I have, I've been in several sort of longer term relationships. Um, and the, the scary thing about me for people sometimes, whether you're working for me um, or friendship with me or relationship with me is I'm okay with things ending. And I don't think everything has to be interminable. Like we don't have to be like, this is forever or it didn't count. Oh my God, I worked so hard on that for nine years and then it ended, what a waste of time. Like I don't think like that. And so I'm willing to sort of commit and I think that things a lot of times should come to an end. Um, but that can be a difficult thing for a partner to yeah. hear um, because it can make them feel disposable. And so my relationship with... Um, my former fiance Rob, you know, we were we were together for two and a half years, and um, there frankly was so much conflict in our relationship, and I felt it was because it wasn't an egalitarian relationship that there was so much inequality in between us, um, financially, frankly, um, and just in other ways that sort of I'm a, I'm a dominant personality, like I make my own bread, I'm very independent. And that can be difficult. I have learned for, frankly, a lot of men to be in a relationship with someone. Men will say it's not, but <laughs> they there think are a lot. Not. They think it's not, and they love to say it. So it's like, it's like, oh, I want to work for a startup. I'm like, everybody says that. It sounds sexy, but like working for a startup is very hard. Things change a lot. They pivot. They move, um, and it can be really frustrating. So it's it's not for everybody. Um, and I think the same thing. Like a strong, independent woman who doesn't, frankly need you but wants you there because you are both inspiring each other and you make each other a better version of one another and you respect their independence and knowing and I I love the, actually the romanticism of saying we're not married and there's no legalities to us being married that we could walk away and it wouldn't be really messy but the fact that we choose to stay like that's powerful there's nothing did you say do you say to your relationships or to Rob did you say up front that you are okay with things ending like that? Like, or is that not something you understood about yourself then? I, I definitely understood it about myself then. And uh, Rob and I were both very clear that like marriage was not important to us. I think it was more important to him. And I also find that like sometimes 
when you say something, you know, if someone wants to be with you, and this is not just for men or women, the other person will uh, acquiesce. Agree, yeah. You know, and kind of like, oh, yeah, I've not, that's not really never important to me either. But it, it hasn't. Marriage is not something that I'm like, we're dating, and if that's not on your docket, then we're not going to date. Um, but it was a way like Rob and I just couldn't seem to get our, we loved each other so much. And I don't know, I'm sure there are listeners out there who can think about a relationship that was again, uh, full of consternation, but like, oh, just overflowing with love. You can't choose who you love that you didn't, that doesn't mean that needs to be people love cocaine. It's bad for you, but they love cocaine. People love people who that it's, that it's just bad for you, but you just can't get enough of it. And we were just overwhelmed with emotions, but our partnership relationship didn't work. So I'm like. Maybe the way for me to fix this inequality thing is for us to get married. It'll show and prove to you that like I am in this. I think of you as my equal. Um, And it was like the grandiest gesture I could propose to Rob. And he was very, you know, filled with sort of heartwarming um, emotions and like couldn't believe I would offer that. And so we got engaged a, a few months after um, and our relationship just plummeted. Like we were, he moved out probably three months, three months after that. Wow. Yeah. Do you think he didn't believe you? Um, yeah, I think I, things got worse after we got engaged. I kept pushing and testing. Um, and you did something you didn't want to do. Yeah. And you could just feel it. Like I remember us talking about the wedding and I was just like, I just could care less. (laughs) And, And he felt that. And that wasn't fair to him. Yeah. He's like, you put, he's like, this you is know, your idea. Oh, totally. <laughs> and it's like, you look at what you put in to things when you believe in it, whether it's back of my feet or solid core. And like when you want something, you are in and you just could care less about about this. And like um, I would be a little bit flippant like in, in, in um, conversations with friends of like, ah, I really don't like, ah, kind of like sounds exhausted by it. And that was hurtful to him. And I understand how that could be hurtful to him. Um but yeah, it just it, it exacerbated our problems. It didn't fix anything, and so yeah, yeah. he uh, he moved out October two thousand seventeen, and we both just spent like the next six months in complete agony and heartache, knowing we can't wow. be together. But like this love is still like this. Yeah. It's like your heart is and your heart is the loudest voice out of your. I think we have three brains: our head, our heart, and our gut. And our heart is completely unrational, but it's so loud. And it's just overpowering and you've really got to work on your gut and your head to be like, speak, <laughs> you know, like we shouldn't be doing this. You need to play a bigger role in here yeah. so I can stop hurting and moving on. But I dived deep into therapy and really figured out some of the relationship <laughs> mistakes I was making because um, it wasn't just with Rob. It was with prior relationships where I was uh, screwing up and finally at that point took responsibility for it. It's such like an empowering take to hear like, that you believe that relationships can end or things can end. Why do you think that people are so attached to like a forever? I think especially when it comes to a feeling, you know, if, if again, when you're in love, it feels so incredible and amazing. And I also think when like, look, when we walk down New York City, right, where I was sitting here in New York and you walk down and you literally pass tens of thousands of people a day, you don't feel anything for them, you know, and then all of a sudden you meet somebody and you just feel this thing. And I think you want to bottle it and you're like, I want to feel this way forever. Um, and that, and we're, we make decisions in that state. Mm-hmm. And so we, we grab onto it and try to just protect it and make decisions about like, cool, since we're get, if we get married, this is how it will be forever. Mm-hmm. And we need to obviously protect this emotion. So let's put it in a bottle. <laughs> 
funny. Do you think there's any element that people are just sort of like socially trained that that's what it should be? Totally. I mean, yeah, and it's funny, yeah, right? We sure. you talking about influence yeah. before. We are all influenced. We are all. So anybody who says like, oh, I'm I'm not influenced by marketing. I'm like roll my eyes at. Like we're all yeah. influenced. We find things that attach. Oh, that resonates with me. That's who I am. That word. That person. That human. That's what I say. And like therefore, like whatever she does, I'll buy that because we're the same. Um, so yeah, I think I think so. There's great books around this. Um, Untrue um, um, is a great book uh, written by Wednesday Martin about women, sexuality, marriage, um, and I dove deep into that last year as well. Really trying to learn, you know, some more about it. But yeah, I think we're totally conditioned um, to do things the way that they've been done. And I mean, think about the Disney you know, story since we were kids, right? There's this princess, there's this attractive guy, he takes care of us. We have been told that that's what a successful relationship looks like. There's lots of little animals running around, yeah. singing songs. All, everywhere. <laughs> Doing your laundry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, maybe it's like the fact that you saw your mother like so assertively say to your father, like you have to leave, that you're able to not just hold on to something for some like fantasy. Like she made the right choice, probably. Mm-hmm. I, she didn't want to be part of that. Right. Yeah. And I, I can see that now. My, my, I love my dad for my dad. Um, and I have said this, you know, to him, but he, he would be a very difficult man to be married to. And I don't think my dad wants to be married or ever wanted to be married. They, they were, got married at high school sweethearts, high school sweethearts and in college. And like, especially back then in that era and generation, like that is definitely what Dakota. you did in North Dakota. There wasn't a whole lot of choice or option. And even, you know, my mom, her options for careers was like secretary or teacher. Um, so you just were kind of limited and you didn't have the world as your oyster the way that women do now. And just opportunity again and exposure and thinking like, you know what, maybe I don't have to do life this way. Maybe I can do life differently. And I've, I feel like I've always done that, whether it's been with back on my feet, right? Like, mm-hmm. yes, I can build this nonprofit no, you can't. Who does that? This doesn't make sense. That's not the way it goes. Get a job. Be responsible. Um, and I, it's one of kind of the biggest things I preach when I talk is like you can make your own rules. You can make your own life and your own rules. You just have to be willing to ask the questions and what you really want and how your actions are lining up with what you say that you're wanting. That's awesome. Uh, so uh, at what? So yeah. by this? So the solid t- core. Yeah. By the time you were <laughs> engaged, you had started solid core. I did. So how did? Oh, okay. How did? How did solid core like evolve mm-hmm. from back on my feet? Like sure. where did the, all that come from? Yeah. Being being a founder, um, you know. So I was I was running back on my feet, and we were like six years in, and I started to sort of feel this force again of like it's time to create, it's time to do something else, and I'm like, what? <laughs> like no way. Like my life is full of purpose. I'm helping people. Um, I have, I travel a lot. Like I have a lot of flexibility. I'm running this nonprofit and man, like, what if I can't do it again? Like, how do I top this? Um, and what if I fail? Like, it's kind of easier to stay and say, I'm an entrepreneur when I'm actually doing it. But if I try again, am I like a one hit wonder? Um, and I think that stuff is real. And that's, that's not just real from a founder. That's real. As you talked about before, with like, I don't want my relationship to end. What if I can't find someone better? What if I don't find someone else? 
uh, I don't want to leave my job. What if I don't find X? Like, you know, so we stay, we stay in a complacent state um, a lot, but these voices kept coming back and it was like, okay, it's time. I knew it was time before I knew what I was going to be doing next. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, I got to figure out what that is. I wasn't brave enough at the point to just sort of leave and not know what's, what's next. I wanted to have a plan. And so I was in LA for back of my feet. We were launching a chapter out there and I went and took a Legree class and I was walking by the studio. I'm like, oh, those machines look fun and this studio looks very LA. I'm a marathoner. I am a, you know, boot camp athlete. Like this will be a little fun thing to do. And I got annihilated. Uh, my, my, I was like, I'm not going to make it through this class. Like the core of my muscles were just firing immediately. You're like nodding your yeah. head. Like, I know. I know. I was there a few hours ago. I'm so happy it's over. <laughs> That's how I felt when I tried, I tried it for the first time. I was like, I like have a trainer, like I do intense deadlifts and I like went in there. I was like, I felt like a big, just, I just like a string of spaghetti. Like I was just like, yeah, it's flopping so around. Hard. I was like, I cannot hold this for much longer. Yeah. That's how exactly how it felt. Yeah. So some people will leave feeling like yeah. defeated or like, I never want to feel that way again. And some people like you yeah, guys no. will go and be like, wow, my body has so much more potential. I'm so excited by the idea of training these muscles that aren't getting any attention. It's just the feeling post, like the way my body feels after is different than I've ever felt in any workout. And like I've done them all, obviously. But like that, (laughs) it like literally feels like like I took an edible. But like that's that's honestly the only way I can describe it. Like it feels like I took an edible after. What? Oh, like after, <laughs> like during. No, no, no. Like, during it's horrible. Like no, during it's literally horrible. After, like it's like clear mind, edible body. Like, <laughs> yeah, well, work yeah. workout health they say is like the new the new drug, right? It's like people are yeah. doing, and it's like this whole mental optimism and physical optimism that people are striving for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, um, so I took a class again out in out in yeah. LA. And then I was so sore the next day. And at that at that point in my life, I was living in New York City. And so I then um, came back and I started taking SLT. Um, yeah. And I was like, wow, my body is actually evolving and changing. I feel good. I feel strong. And I'm not beating my body up. And I remember being in an SLT class and I'm like counting the machines. And I know what I'm paying. and I'm doing the math. And I'm like, this is an incredible business model. Where do these <laughs> machines come from? Yeah. And so I, I I actually ended up talking to Amanda, who was in the studio that day. And I'm like, where do these machines come from? Um, and she owns the license actually for New York. Um, so no one could come in and open another studio. Yeah. And I was looking to move back to D.C. at the time. And she's like, yeah, it's a licensing play. You like buy the territory. Like this is the dude's, you know, the dude's name. Um, so I emailed Legree and I'm like, I'm interested in potentially opening a studio. Is the D.C. market open? And he's like, yes. Um, so I flew out to meet him pretty quickly shortly after that. And uh, I had saved my money for like the last several years of my time back on my feet, my speaking engagements. Um, and I'm like, I'm buying this territory. Like, this is my next thing. I felt so compelled. One, I, if I'm being completely honest and it's okay, I'm a commended person, I thought I could build a better brand. I thought mm-hmm. I, because it's a licensing place, so there's no like franchising. I'm like, I can do this better. I understand community and like I am the workout queen <laughs> and like this needs to get out there in a different, bigger way. With the lights off. <laughs> With the lights off, yeah. <laughs> that didn't actually start right away. The lights were on for the first studio. But um, so I bought the license and I, I stepped down from back on my feet, went through about a six month transition with them, stayed on, a, stayed on the board, helped consult. So I left August and I had my first studio open in DC in November. So of what year? November 2013. This episode is brought to you by Newly. 
Have you ever felt that fast fashion ick, but can't always find the super high-end stuff? I have a solution for you, Newly. Newly has everything you need to bring your closet up to speed for this season without breaking the bank. Free your closet of impulse purchases and skip the buyer's remorse by renting instead. Newly is a subscription clothing rental service. For just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles each month. Access to thousands of styles from more than 400 brands. There are no fees, late fees, damage fees, or fees to pause or cancel. They also have inclusive sizing up to 5X as well as petite and maternity. And you always have the option to buy what you love. I love Newly. I've rented so many cute things from there, and I've even made a few purchases from there. And they're always spot on. They have so many brands that I honestly could never afford in real life. So it's great to be able to rent them. Newly is a great value at $98 a month for any six styles. But right now, you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code DST20. Just go to Newly, that's N U U L Y dot com, and enter the code DST20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y dot com, newly with two U's, with code DST20. Newly subscription clothing rental. Change your clothes. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. What I love about Shopify is basically how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. I know we use Shopify here at Betches, and honestly, anyone with any kind of business could really benefit from Shopify. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklyn, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash betches, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash betches now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash betches. So how did you actually like form this workout? Like, how did you know like, oh, I should make it this. This should be Mm -hmm. the work like this should actually be the workout. Right. And I want the studio to look and feel like this. And I want it this number of people. Mm -hmm. And this is. Yeah. So so branding and marketing is my background. It's sort of what I feel like I'm pretty good at and what my value and contribution is still to the still to the company. And Boutique fitness, even back then, there wasn't there wasn't a ton of it, but it had a really feminine kind of feel. And I consider myself an athlete. I'm frankly a little bit of a tomboy. Like I, growing up, I'd rather play with the boys than the girls. And I didn't want my studio to just be like, oh, this is clearly for women and intimidate men or make them feel like mm-hmm. they weren't welcome. So there was really conscious decision of working with our architect of like balancing the elements in the room um, with different colors. You know, the the floor today is still concrete floor. 
the palette wood, uh, the name itself with the brackets, you know, the wallpaper, which is a little bit funky. Um, and the machines themselves look a little bit, frankly, you know, masculine for lack of a better term. And so it's like, this feels like a place that is welcoming to a lot of different types of people. So that part was done. And the number of machines was sort of best off of my experience. It's like, okay, let's try, let's work with 10 here because the, the workout is complicated. Yeah. You know, it's not like you're sitting on a spin bike and you, everyone knows how to ride a bike, right? That's the one biggest thing when we open in new markets. Like we don't have a lot of pre-sales. People are like, well, what is it? You, have to you know, yeah. yeah, we're like, this yeah. isn't a treadmill rate thing. We, we have to really communicate. Mm-hmm. We want to come in and try it. So started again, opened my first studio in 2013. And then um, it's funny when people ask me like, oh, did you ever think you were going to get to 70? And I'm like, yes. And they expect me to say <laughs> yeah. no. And I'm like, listen, I know how to create and build. It is my talent. And I, and I, and I know how to scale. Um, I'm not the best operator in the world. That's why I hire great people who are so that they can you know, handle a lot of the operational details. And so the second studio was open within three months. I also very much believe in the power of momentum. We were packed like you couldn't get into class here. People were literally calling and name dropping. And I'm like, I, mm-hmm. I don't have an extra machine in the back that I pull out for friends of friends. Like <laughs> the class is full, sign up, get on the wait list, it works, all yeah. these things. And so the second studio was open in three months. And then the third one was open two months after and just started building. And then the relationship with Legree frankly went south. Uh, I did not enjoy being in that relationship. Um, I didn't find it beneficial. I didn't respect the business ethics. And I felt like there was actually some pretty... Um, skeptical decisions being made and I didn't want to be a part of them. And I also felt like there was violation of our contract. And so uh, we separated. I sent a breach of contract. Um, he sued. We countersued. And for all wow. intents and purposes, like I knew that was going to happen. Like, yeah. like we planned this for frankly a while. And like I can't, I can't have machines in my studio that are breaking and have no way to fix them because I'm not in charge of my manufacturing. Right. Yeah. And the machines were not actually as conducive as we wanted them to be for the workout that was evolving. And so there was always elements. I'm like, gosh, I would change this. I would do this. And I'm like, why don't I just make my own machines? Mm-hmm. So we separated in 2005, beginning 2015. Um, and haven't had to have any conversations since. And I also knew that that was important if we're going to really scale. Like no one, all these other Legrees have licenses and they're, they are confined to their territory. And you're also dealing with someone who can just simply say, nope, I don't want you to open another one. You're yeah. like, wait, what? It's like, nope, uh, sorry, uh, don't want you to open anymore. So I didn't like that either. There was too much of a power um, control on, on one end. And so I was like, if we're going to really build this thing, we've got to separate, build our own machines and figure out how to do this. And so that was the beginning of 2015. And then we've been growing like crazy ever since. Was that scary to like go there? It, to like want to just I make your own? Cause yeah. Because you, you were so reliant on his machines for I, so long? I don't think it was scary for me. It was like, this has to happen. And because it has to happen, I will figure it out. I don't know anything about manufacturing, but I would, as it's one of the most important jobs as a CEO. It's your job to be resourceful. It's my job to figure out, find the person who knows the answer mm-hmm. and make sure I'm not making decisions in a vacuum or feel like, well, I need to know how to do this because I'm the CEO. Right. So we started interviewing, you know, different firms, um, manufacturing design firms. Um, and that took a while. We, 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 we spent hundreds of thousands of dollars, you know, on that process and of course made mistakes and errors because it's your first time going through it. Yeah. But totally necessary our machines are amazing they're proprietary now to us we control the manufacturing we obviously the, the cost of them because there's not a third party involved um they're less yeah, yeah. and you can go into any market that's how you, totally. i was going to ask how are you in new york city but 
Yeah, we don't yeah. have any restrictions. Yeah. No one controls what we do. Like, I'm the majority owner of the company. We have a great minority partner, and we make our own decisions. And you made them different enough yeah. from the other ones exactly. so that they are proprietary. Yeah. That's amazing. Congrats. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. It's a massive business it's like decision. It's undertaking. <laughs> wow. So you was your, your engagement was during this time. Yeah, it was. And it was right. It was, this whole our engagement and the whole end to the uh, engagement happened right as I was taking an investment from a minority partner. It's like they happened in the first, like the two weeks of it all. So how did, th- did those like affect each other? Oh, totally. I was like, oh my God, I want to sell the company. I want to move to Costa Rica. I was like, I don't want to do this. You know, like you, you do feel like you just want to completely change your life when you're heartbroken. And I've never had my heart broken before. So right. it didn't happen until I was 37. Wow. And it was like, this is what this, feel- like, it's, it's paralyzing. Like you just feel like you want to eradicate everything in your life and start over. So I'm like, I'm like having phone calls. I'm like, I, I want to sell the company entirely. And they're like, <laughs> what are you talking about? Um, so yeah, it was, it was hard. And fortunately, I hired some really great people at the time that really stepped up while I was sort of healing and navigating and trying to um, get myself back to a state. Can I ask a question? Sure. So let's, say, let's rewind all the way back. And you said you, when you started the Back on My Feet, you said the, your food issues just kind of went away without having to really... F- face them mm-hmm. right do you ever f- have you, did you feel like they kind of crept up at any point in your life from then till now yes um but not to the point where they ever felt like oh god i'm gonna go back down this this uh-huh. hole again and I, I really do again i know i'm on the microphone here and i'm the owner and, and ceo but it really is solid core guys like i my body has changed and sh- I'll, I'll show you a picture before we leave here today. Maybe you can even put it on your Instagram to share with people. Should, but like yeah. it was literally a 20 to 25 pound difference from where I'm sitting here today. And I was running all the time. I was starving myself, throwing up my food. Um, and I just couldn't find, again, any kind of consistency that allowed me to accept my body and appreciate and respect it. And it was only when starting to do after, you know, again, the first solid corp. And I've been doing it every every like four days a week pretty consistently unless there's travel in there that's limiting me or to doing so for the Mm -hmm. last for the last six years it is my primary form of working out and while we're on that like I just it's because I'm like I just want to shake women when they're like doing so much cardio I'm like guys Mm -hmm. there's science behind this right when you do cardio it's great for your heart it's card cardiovascular for a reason and you should do that for that reason you are not going to change and and mold and shape your body in the way that you want to from cardio so the calories you know, we'll be people looking at their watch and calories after solid carb, like, I burned so much more doing cardio. I'm like, of course you are. Yeah. But yeah, like you are ripping your muscle fibers in here and you can feel the work in your body happening. Mm-hmm. It's, I try, I'm like, compare it to like, I'll take my broken bone, which I'm sure we'll get to at some point. <laughs> That's next. When I broke my leg, right? Like I wasn't working out and doing anything. Like I dropped 15 pounds because my body was healing itself and exerting so much energy. My metabolism was through the roof and trying to heal my bone. So in solid core, when you are ripping your muscle fibers, which is what is happening when you feel like you can't hold it anymore and you start shaking, your muscle fibers have no more support. After the workout, and this isn't just with solid core, it's with any resistance training, if you're working yourself to the point of failure, that your body then has to repair its muscles. It is exerting more energy, you are burning more calories, and also the muscle fibers come back stronger. So that's where you get like muscle tone and definition to come from, but your metabolism is also increased when you're not doing anything. When you're done with cardio, you're done. You're, yeah. you're, you're not nothing getting, left. there's yeah. nothing left. You're not burning any more calories after it. It's an inefficient use of time. If you're not doing resistance training, start adding it in to your workout and you will see changes in your body. 
Yeah, I mean, I had a non-scale win like three weeks ago about a pair of jeans that did not fit me. Mm -hmm. And then I started doing solid core like consistently and my weight is the same. Literally, it's still the same. And the jeans fit. Right. And they, it just, it actually does change you. And I don't know why I still haven't lost any fucking pounds. But like, (laughs) yeah, I don't, I mean, people do not worry about the scale. It's like, you can look at people's pictures and like when they weighed 140 and then they weigh 146 and they look better at 146. Muscle weighs more than fat. Yeah. True, is so. Just that you were talking about the science behind solid core. Mm-hmm. I know we're talking about your broken leg, yeah. um, but does it work like mu- muscles that you normally don't work, and that's why you're so like the smaller ones? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, how does that? Yeah, it's your it's your slow twitch muscle fibers that you are that you are targeting, yeah. and that's the slow movement, the light resistance, and everything else that obviously is involved at, at solid core. You know, when you're doing it's like sprinters when you see a sprinter mm-hmm. and they're like a, like they're they're huge, their legs are huge, and they have beautiful bodies, but like they are constantly working their fast twitch muscle fibers, uh-huh. right? So that's the, that's kind of the result. The gym when they're you see the guys yeah. pumping fast and heavy, like. CrossFit, same thing, fast and heavy, you are going to get a little bit more bulk there. And that's fine if that's the approach that you're going toward. You're not going to get bulky doing solid What are the fast twitch versus the the short twitch? The slow slow twitch. twitch. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, what's the opposite of fast? Yeah. Well, your your fast twitch muscles get worked when you are doing kind of sprints and like hit workouts. Oh, when you're literally going fast. Yeah. And and you don't want to be not doing some of those things. And it's it's explosive, you know, explosive movements. Uh But again, your slow twitch muscle fibers, you know, do get worked better in a solid class. Or if you're doing like long distance, like sometimes long distance running, right? Uh Where you see marathoners or people who are really elite marathoners, like they're leaner, Mm -hmm. obviously, versus the sprinters who are, you know, bulkier. Got it. So, so can you do the entire center core workout on your toes? Yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, I've been doing it for six years, but <laughs> right. do you still run? I'm still I, working on it. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I do run and I'm running because, well, my relationship with running started actually almost a year ago again. I didn't, I didn't really run for five years. I didn't run more than two to three miles wow. from starting solid core. Oh, more than two to three miles. No. <laughs> like, that's the no. most I could do. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> but like, yeah. Front, well, I was, you know, I'm a, yeah, I'm no, a yeah. 11 She's marathon. A we're, we're not yeah. comparing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just saying, so it's like, I kind of was like, and I didn't plan to, it wasn't a decision of like, I'm going yeah. to give up running. It just kind of happened. We just skated over that. Yeah. 11 I, marathon. I mean, it's, <laughs> let's it's skate fun. over it. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, but so with solid core, I was like, I'm just seeing my body look the way I want to. And I was just, working and building the company and involved in the classes. And so I have had this goal for a while to run a marathon on every continent. And I've done one on every continent besides Antarctica, but I did that last March. Where in Africa did you? Antarctica. South South Africa. Africa. Um, On a game reserve. It was really cool. Really hard marathon though. Isn't that hot? It was hot and it was <laughs> the elevation. The it was it was it was it was that was a harder marathon than Antarctica. So in January, Wait, you did Antarctica. Mm-hmm. She said she did that in March. Oh, oh I fuck. <laughs> Wait, but in March, wasn't it yeah. cold? <laughs> it, it was actually. I mean, I'm from North Dakota, right? So oh, right. It wasn't, but it wasn't. It wasn't that cold. Yeah. But so I was like, you know what, Anne? You've said you're going to do this on seven continents. Like it is time to get this done. So I emailed, I knew people who ran uh, marathon tours, which is what they do a ton of marathons around yeah. the world. And I'm like, do you guys have any spots for the Antarctica Marathon for 2020? And they're like, you know, we'll put you on the wait list. Like, we'd love to have you join us. I've been trying to go for a while. Yeah. I knew the guys. And then I get an email the next day. like, well, we just had a cancellation for this oh year. And I was like, in seven weeks? <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I'm going to do it. How did so, you practice like the cold temp? Like, how did you simulate that? Yeah, I, you really didn't. Like, I just kind of, it was a cold, it was cold enough here. Like, you know, I was in New York and DC, um, Whistler doing a long run. So it was just like outside, you yeah. know, running. And like, there's, as they say, there's no such thing as bad weather. It's just bad gear. So I researched all the stuff I was supposed to bring. 
trained as best I could in seven weeks from not running for five years. And then, yeah, went down on the boat. We went and flew down to Ushuaia down in Chile and took a boat over the Drake Passage for two days. It's amazing. And then did the marathon um, on Antarctica. So that was my last, my last marathon on all the continents. And then, yeah, so then two months after that, I broke my leg. Um, which what, what is, happened? Yeah, it's 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 really. I mean, how else do you break your leg besides your friend running into you on a jet ski? Oh like, my God. No. yeah, it was it was pretty brutal, and it was just like accidents are completely unexpected. And the way I've described accidents is, you know, you feel that you got robbed. You feel yeah, yeah. I wasn't consensual. It happened so fast. There it's was no fair. time to prepare. And then you're put in this state, and you know I'm really lucky that I just ended up with a with a you know it was compound fracture in the water, so it wasn't without its complications. Um, I got you know medevaced out of uh, down by Maryland on the eastern shore. Spent ten days in the hospital. You know the most of my sur- surgeries were about cleaning my leg because my. Uh, legs pretty much served as a cavity for all the water to go in. Oh my god! As it was nuts. Um, and so yeah, I've got I got some fun pictures to share. But the, <laughs> when but was that? It, it was in um, Memorial Day last year. Oh wow! Okay, recent. Yeah. So the biggest complication of that was the fact that this wound was so big, and so they fixed my leg. I leave, mm-hmm. and I have to walk around with a vacuum, like a literally a plugged-in vacuum, a wound vac is what it's called. To my leg for seven weeks, um, that's sucking out all of the excess fluid. It actually increases your healing time by half. So otherwise, I would have been in the hospital changing this bandage mm-hmm. several times a day because they couldn't they couldn't close the wound because there wasn't enough you know elasticity in the skin to mm-hmm. even make an effort to do so, and it was, it was so so big. Um, and then it got infected in August, and they're like, "Listen, the chances are it could get infected. Like you you have a lot of." bacteria from the water in your leg we obviously tried to clean it um but then you you're in august and you think like oh it's going to be fine it's now three months after my surgery and all of a sudden you feel i'm like something's not right with my leg um went back to the hospital a couple times they sent me home twice and i'm like you know getting a fever i'm like something is wrong they're not seeing something so it took three times to the hospital before they were able to see yeah there was just like the first time i went they couldn't see anything in the x-ray they didn't do an mri yeah and then i went back again and the mri wasn't frankly done correctly and then i went back again with a fever and then they 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 saw that there was a massive sort of pus in my leg the Um, third time the third time so where are you now Um, I'm still on antibiotics, crazily enough, because they won't take you off of them until the bone is healed. Um, So my bone is not entirely healed. It's getting close. um, But they don't want to take you off antibiotic in case the infection comes back. Like, they have really no idea to tell anything because I have a rod in my leg and pins. And so if the infection comes back and your leg is still broken, you're kind of screwed because they have to take the rod out. And they don't want to take the Mm -hmm. rod out unless your bone is healed. How do you, like, feel? I feel good. I mean, yeah. I'm I'm running a marathon next month. Oh, okay. Yeah. If there's anyone who's like as resilient to handle this, it sounds like it's you. <laughs> yeah, you got to just make a choice about it, right? You like want your life back. That's like what my I'm therapist like, said, you yeah. just make a choice yeah. to just accept the shit. Right. <laughs> yeah. But like you want your and I'm like I want my life back. And and a lot yeah. of times people with accents will yeah. you start to make excuses and like you just like, "Oh, I can't. I can't. I can't this this and this." And mm-hmm. I'm like I am 39. I will not be like, I can't do these things now because of my leg. So I will do the work. What do I need to do? How do I need? And I thought in myself, I'm like, listen, there is one way that will prove to myself that I am back to me. And that is running a marathon. 
Um, and so it's really amazing. There's there's 600 plus people that joint that have like signed up to run with me. We've got this whole team formed, which happened just like a snowball effect, and it's totally overwhelming. And I'm so grateful. But the New York Marathon? No, it's the D, there's a DC, oh, DC Rock and Roll Marathon. I just was looking for one. I'm like end of March DC. Like that's 10 months after my accident. It's far enough. Like it, like it's the full. Marathon. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Not half. I, how, I do actually, train, how do you train with? The recovering, your recovering, your recovering leg, basically. I mean, I'm running on it. It's not the like, it's okay. Be- not, it's not as beautiful as form as I would like it to be. I started running in December because my doctor's like, don't run on this thing until you have to do cardio, do other things to try to get up your cardiovascular yeah. energy and whatnot. And so I've only really been running since December. But um, I mean, it's this afternoon I got to go run for Does it 16 miles. It doesn't. It hurts the wrong word. It's unpleasant and uncomfortable, but I'm yeah. not in pain where I have okay. to be like, I have to stop. It's it's getting used to a, u- a new normal until the bone heals. So from your whole story of so far, you said you're 30, 39. Mm-hmm. What what is like one lesson you could share with our listeners? Like what's some one thing that you could impart? What's your philosophy on life? <laughs> Just one like yeah. piece of advice that they could take with them going into their day. I mean, I again 30 at 39 this comes with age is I just really own who I am um I will take feedback of course if it's like that's really good but um I don't really I don't really apologize for who I am anymore um and I feel like I did that a lot when you're younger when like people don't approve of you or your superiors or whatever that's that doesn't mean you be abrasive or brash or you know disrespectful to people um but you just kind of get to know who you are so much and and the other thing i said earlier is like just i make my own rules like why why are we doing things this way like i do that with my company i do that with um choices with my relationship which we didn't even talk about now i've got this amazing partner uh yeah (laughs) give him a shout out yeah he's fantastic (laughs) aren't you sam um and and yeah, so like I just don't live by anybody else's rules or standards and I ask why a lot. And if it doesn't serve me and it doesn't make me happy or I don't think it's going to have a positive impact on myself or the people that I care about, it's a no or like there must be a different way to do this. That's very inspiring. Yeah. <laughs> I love the message. So if anybody wants to take solid core, they can go anywhere in the country. Yeah, there's so there's 70 locations now. Jeez. It's not anywhere in the country, but we'll, we're, we'll be at about 100 at the end of the year. And we're yes, we are saturating the New York market. We have several more studios I'm gonna opening go here. Please. I'm yes. so excited <laughs> for you to be around the corner for me. Yes. That, that opens this month. In Mar- in March, March 14th. March 14th. Her birthday. That's my birthday. Well, there you go. Yeah. Okay. No better way than to, to sweat, yeah. right? <laughs> Should we do a non-scale win? Yeah, I think we don't have time for an email, but we'll do a win. <laughs> a win. We'll do a win. We're going to, so we do, um, we celebrate people's non-scale wins, okay. not to focus on the scale, like you said. So um, this listener wrote in, do you want me, should yeah. I read it? Hi, Aileen and Sammy. I'm a huge fan of the podcast and so grateful for the open and positive community you've created. I can relate so much to the stories that you both share and has really helped me work through some of my own issues with food and dieting. With that, I have a non-scale win that I wanted to share with you this week. That was a sweet little opener. After listening to this week's episode, I really started thinking about starting from ground zero and refreshing my relationship with food. I've struggled with eating disorders for most of my life and am finally in quote-unquote recovery, but still acknowledge that I have a very unhealthy relationship with food and exercise. This week, I've been trying really hard to be mindful about what my body needs. Yesterday, I got home early from work with the intention of going to the gym, but I was exhausted and really wanted to take a nap. 
So I let myself take a nap. And then when I got back from my plans that evening at around 7.30, I normally would have plopped down on the couch and eaten mindlessly. But I thought about it for a minute, realized I wasn't even that hungry, felt kind of energetic. So I went to the gym. I came home, had a healthy dinner and felt so good afterwards. I just had to share. Thanks for all that you do. I love that. That's great. Very sweet. It is. It's yeah. always She's feels, very aware and you can yeah. tell that. It's like, wait a minute, I'm going to do this. How do I not do this? I don't want to yeah. do this. So that's that's a big step. It's a huge step when you just like t- do the do the thing that kind of you want is like uncomfortable but then actually realize is what you wanted to do and mm. you are way more comfortable afterwards. It's it's a huge step. Sammy, what's yeah. your win this week? Shit, I'm like really try- I'm really searching for one. You had a rough. Oh, yeah. High anxiety. Um, <laughs> high anxiety yeah. this week? High. Why? Corona? Corona. <laughs> just like, you know, wrapping certain things up for the wedding. Like yeah. just a lot in so my when head. When are you getting married? April 19th. Oh, that's soon. Yeah. yeah. Very soon. So a lot just like going on swirling about in my head. I don't know. I don't You're know if swirling. I really do ha- big swirl. <laughs> I don't know if I have like a win other than like I'm trying that's a win I'm trying yeah you're not defeated you went to solid court today that's a win right but but, but I'm now used to doing that so okay (laughs) well so you're committing to you've continued on uh on a healthy habit yeah no I've stayed on my work I've stayed on my workouts like pretty consistently and I feel good about that yeah what's your win for the whole for this week something that happened is it Thursday I don't know (laughs) um okay let me think uh well, speaking of Sam, yeah, we had a really good open like talk about our relationship and some things that's like, you know, talking about our both of our our parents relationships and our marriages and how we show up and either do either emulating that or doing the exact opposite and how that's showing up for me um, and talking about it instead of just like, you know, shoving it underneath the rug or getting annoyed at the little things and saying like, I don't want this to continue to be a thing. Let's talk about it. Um, And that's one of the things I've learned about relationships before. I would just be passive aggressive, pick a fight, blame you, you know, do these things to absolve myself Mm -hmm. from responsibility. And I definitely don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What's yours? My win, I learned something about myself this week. So I, well, besides getting LASIK, which was a massive deal, but yeah. that was really scary and I did it, which was amazing. Actually, I have a few, but I'm not going to go through them. Yeah. I have like, we've done um, like a bunch of the, these kind of would you rathers in other episodes and, or not would you rather, it's like who's most likely. And one of the questions yeah. was, um, who's most likely to leave the house? Who, who would never leave the house without makeup? And oh. it was always me. Like I would never like always have to wear makeup. And because of LASIK, I can't, I can't wear any eye makeup or anything. Not only have I been leaving the house without eye makeup, I went to two networking events where I had to speak to people that I've never met before, look them in the face with like a red eye and like have no makeup on and still like have, I made so many connections. I'm like going to dinner with somebody else. Like it's just wild. Like I've never done that before. And I don't really want to wear makeup again. There you go. Um, It's like talking about armor, like you just shed it off and it's in your fine to be yourself it was really huge win for me this honestly week. not wearing makeup is so great you don't have to worry about it like smudging you can like rub your eye without mm-hmm. being concerned it doesn't come off on your white stuff like <laughs> i mean i like i like, I I hate like it all. Makeup, it's it's, it's nice just to appreciate your own features just yeah, by like they're fine yeah they're it was, good it was great did yeah. you guys see the cynthia nixon i'm a lady thing tell you the tell oh, you to be a lady or i think i, I heard say about lady, it but yeah. i didn't I didn't like watch it. Yeah, watch. Like, it's good. It. It's good. It's just like everything they tell you to be a woman. Like wear makeup. Don't wear makeup. Yeah. Your shirt's too short. Your your shirt's not short enough. Yeah. Or it's just like all the contradiction juxtaposition of like what it means to be 
uh, uh, a woman we who talks about it's like this two minutes. Time. We talk about this literally all yeah. the time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. but it's what just, everybody it's wants. It's just us impossible to, be. to satisfy what so. everyone wants you to be. So that's why we should follow your life advice. Exactly. Be Do yourself. Make just no apologies. Make no You know, make your own rules. To- totally. Well, okay. thank you so much for joining us today. This has been an awesome interview. Episode. Awesome conversation. You're very inspiring. Thank you. I'm gonna go do solid core. <laughs> I wish I had your like fearlessness and sort of just like inability to be like accept when you're down like mm-hmm. i feel like you're really you good it. at i could maybe in theory but like <laughs> yeah try it out i don't see it i don't see it coming upon me <laughs> you have to work at it remember exactly you make, you, make that it, choice it seems like you work at it but it also is like innate in you to just kind of like break i picture you just like breaking a glass ceiling literally <laughs> like well again i think about the leg right? thing and you're like I, i'm like why would I look for a reason not to do something when I find so much joy in whether it's playing volleyball or running or pushing myself? Like you can make the excuses for things that you want to, but it doesn't make your life better. You know, like someone would say if I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm not running. It's like I totally understand like your leg, but like mm-hmm. I can run. I'm capable. Like I can do it. Mm-hmm. So I think it's I mean, I really try to be honest about if I'm making justifications or excuses for myself and said like, don't make the excuse, just be like, you know what? I don't feel like working out today. I'm going to go like watch two hours of TV and that's okay. I don't mm-hmm. need to like tell somebody why I deserve to do that. Right. You or Instagram f- about it. Wouldn't she along really well with Avi? <laughs> yeah. Very well. My fiance is really into all this. <laughs> he's, he's doing an Ironman this summer. Oh, very cool. So... Yeah, races. I do a lot of sitting around. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well, I need a support it. system. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I love it. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. How how can somebody sign up for Solid Core? Follow it. What? Or sure. Follow you. Yeah. 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 So yeah. Sol- Solid Core. Is, I mean, it's both simple. Solid Core Instagram. You'll find us. I just mm-hmm. type, typing that in. Same thing with my name and Malam. And you can download our app. That's really easy to book classes through mm-hmm. there or through the website. Whatever you want. Yeah, the cool thing about our app yeah. is you can actually see when you're like, it's like an, it has a social component. So if we're friends, Sammy, oh. like you can see when I'm taking class and then like, oh, I want to go take class and taking class. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so I didn't share. even know there, I didn't even know there was an app. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to get that. Yeah, I want to join. Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> we can all be friends on yeah. Solid Core. <laughs> I, I love it. Okay, yeah. everybody, don't forget, Follow Diet Starts tomorrow as well. Go join our Facebook group. It's popping off. Diet Starts tomorrowers. Leave us a review. Sammy and I love doing this and we would love if you Share to review just so you know keep us going keep yeah. us just what is the it praise gas us need. up is that what the kids say yeah, yeah. It's, yeah I think so. um and yeah send us an email dst at betches.com thanks so much what about our sign off I'm, I'm not yeah. done let's okay. go you go first we're always with you through thick and thin Diet Starts Tomorrow is hosted by Aileen Cooperman and Sammy Fishbein. Our editor is Sean Kilby. Our podcast producers are Mike Coscarelli, Sean Kilby, and Carly Rice. And artwork is by Brittany Levine. Be sure to follow us at Diet Starts Tomorrow on Instagram and email your questions and non-scale wins to dst at betches.com. Betches.